Uh, All right, man. Slip it down a little bit. Uh, I'll put this on a little bit. Yeah, should be good there. All right, man. Um, well, first, I want to start out. This is season two episode one and my guest here is alex rivera um i, I want to talk less obviously than he talks but i, I want to give a little context of our relationship pretty much you know growing up there was prundale and and castroville castroville is mexican prundale's white boys and they kind of stayed away from each other but i had the opportunity to to uh live abroad for a couple of years and know the spanish culture, you know latin culture and um, cross country it was pretty much 90 percent mexican <laughs> i was the only white boy and i i, I made attempts through different programs to uh to try to unite the, the school and Anyway, Alex was always someone that I thought um, was the mayor early on. And he, to this day, I, I consider him the mayor of Castroville. And if you don't know, Castroville is the artichoke cap, capital of the world. Yes, sir. Um, so Alex, would you mind you know, just giving us, I mean, you're a dream seller, uh, but to get to that point, what, what what did it take? I mean, Eric, first of all, thank you for having me on board. Hello to everybody. I'm definitely excited for 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 the show. I'm I'm excited to and feel honored to be able to have been asked to be a part of a podcast. Like you said earlier, we've spoken about before. Um, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been helping kids go to college and selling dreams for 12 plus years or so. You know, once I started to get into the game of baseball and start to figure things out. That's kind of what it's cultivated into now. You know, I, I've I've always been about my community and and in uh, in regards to giving back and just paying it forward and just kind of doing those things as they came along. So, uh, but yeah, thank you for everything that you've done and, and being able to give me a voice and being able to be able to speak about that, so to say, uh, with the people that 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 need to hear it, that want to hear it. Um, you know, yeah. So I grew up in Castro, as you as you know. Um, started off with you know working at a young age of 10 years old uh at the age of 10 i was out there uh at a local uh panaderia which is a bread store uh, right, we also you. made uh we also made some uh, uh tortillas in the back so we, we we you know packaged made tortillas threw them in the oven cooked them packaged them sorted them put them in a truck and we delivered them so the guy i was working with at the time he he kind of showed me the ropes in regards to grinding and working and so at a real young age, I was 10 years old, like I said, uh, working at the Padaria, doing, you know, making making tortillas, helping out in the back. At that, at that age, you know, there was no child labor and all that. And so for me, it was, it was about grinding. It was about going after the money. At a very young age, I didn't have nothing. So I couldn't go out. And, and I understood that my parents didn't have much, especially growing up in a single parent home. And I understood that money wasn't, you know, going to be coming out of, you know, growing out of trees or or fall into my pocket. So I had to get that, that stage early on uh, in regards to finding ways to make money, right? So one thing what I would do is, like I said, is, is work at the tortilleria, that same family, they owned a taqueria, which was a restaurant, Mexican restaurant. Can I, can I just intercept a second? The single mother situation, um, did you have a, a mentor after your father left or, or, or any kind of figure? uh that that could represent somewhat of a father figure yeah it, it was funny that you mentioned that because i think i don't know if i elaborated on that but um growing up i had a lot of mentors in my life i had you know one that i thank for every day i don't know if you know who he is but victor cardenas he was one of my mentors and one of my early mentors early on was you know i looked up to judy Burdett at north county recreation uh, she was like a mother mother figure, right? Because my mom was always working. So I spent a lot of time in the rec center. So we got to know and we got real familiar with some of those people. Uh, another one that was real close to me at the time was uh, 
Craig Backish, a big uh, Monterey County Sheriff back in the day, uh, really involved in the community, always about giving back, always about, you know, making positive changes in these kids' lives. And he had a group of us and he was re really involved. And he was one of the guys that, I, it's kind of funny story that um, when my sister was, was dating at a young age, she was probably 18, 19, I was only like 10 years old. Um, one of her boyfriends embarricaded himself inside of our house uh, with the gun. And so the Monterey County Sheriff's came out. One of those guys that was at the, at the house that day was Officer Craig Packish. And so he might've seen something early on where these kids are gonna need something, right? So he kind of always stuck his neck out for us and he kind of uh, watched over us as we went in through high school, graduated college until this day. He's still, I still see him as a father figure, right? I see him as a, as a person that's able to help us out in regards to connecting and, and being able to uh, connect the police with the community, right? Because it's something that needs to be done, right? If you wanna stop violence, then you have to do a certain thing and people gotta you know, pick up their slack as well and, do the right thing, but guys like that, Victor Cardenas, like I said, he was the one that pushed me on to going to college. You know, Manuel Versamin, another guy that pushed me off into college. Um, Craig Packish was a guy that just stayed behind me just throughout my childhood. Um, Judy Burdett, like I said, she she pushed us to do a lot of community service, giving back at an early age. I think in high school, I don't even know if you know, but we were given a certificate for the amount of hours we we gave back to the community. I was up over, think our we were given, we we're supposed to do what, like 40 hours or something like that, right? For community service in regards to graduation. I think I went over 150, 180 hours of community service just in high school alone, doing the Safety Kids Coalition, coaching, doing this, anything I can do to give back, right? So, like I said, for me, it's always been about work, yeah. but I've always had different, you know, mentors in my life, right? Th those are just a couple. My, I, even to this day, I mean, I learned so much from, from people. Like when I first came in trucking and transportation, I had to learn from the person, right? So I know I, I would watch a guy. Man, that guy is very successful in this business. I want to be successful too. So successful, success. I don't, I don't, you know, for me, it was about learning how to, how to find these things out, how to be successful. Cause nothing was just ever handed to me. So everything was just yeah. all hard work, everything from and, and the bottom a, to the top. As a reminder to, to followers, this season two is much more dedicated to underrepresented, um, you know, uh, people that that maybe do sales, but the the other side of the intersection of impact, and that's exactly what Alex does. But not only that, um, you know, I look back and I, I try to get big names for, for my first season, and I realize that the some of the, some of the more captivating stories are are people like you. You know, and um, one of the goals of this podcast is is hopefully you inspiring someone that could be an Alex Herrera to, to be one. So sorry to interrupt your uh, your background, but I think it's really important to to know the hardships after the parents divorce. You know what your mom it was tough. It, I'm not gonna sit here and I tell you it was easy, but it was. Now that I, I reflect back, you think about it as a as a older adult and you see those things and and yeah it was needed I, I definitely needed one I, I needed some type of guidance right because my guidance wasn't given to me by right I was just learning everything that I've ever done has been about learning everything that I've ever done and can you get into a little bit about what your mom had to go through um as a single mom yeah, this, I mean, I hand it to all the single mothers out there, out there listening, watching, more power to them because it's a tough job. I mean, you're, you're running kids at the time. My mom was running three of us. You know, I had older sisters that helped raise us when we were younger. You know, mom would go to work. She'd come back, get that second job. And she, but, you know, my sisters eventually ended up getting married. There was a time when my sister and her husband and her kids were all there. There was five of them. And growing up in a household where, you know, you there's a lot of variance and a lot of things that go on in that household, right? Numerous kids and brothers, aunts, uncles. And so when everybody got, it was all said and done, the dust cleared. I think there was three of us left. My, me, it was my older brother, Angel, me, and then my sister, Anna. Uh, brother Angel lives in Texas now, my, my spe sister. Specifically, your mom, her first job was in the fields, mm -hmm. which is by itself, uh, I, I, I've tried it once. Uh, and I was terrible. No, it is. It's a tough job, man. My mom did that, and 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 it, up it was. 
like literally to the day she retired because my my family owned a couple of ranches in Watsonville later down you know the line where we got a little bit you know more established as a yeah. family um my cousins had a ranch so my mom ended up helping them for about five years picking raspberry and 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 uh squash and all the other stuff that they grow on farms and it was for the, the the family right by that time we we're already working i was already paying the rent so my mom was just more for for a hobby she loved being out there talking to people socializing getting to know people but and then she go to her custodian yeah, job. yeah but that was the real job that one was you know she'd go do the fun stuff during the day at the field and be under the tunnels and throw raspberries at people and that's what just my mom was my mom was always just like she's just like me we always joke around when i was a kid uh and so she did that all day she'd come home make us dinner right but her house was always clean when she came to the house that's why i got involved with the cleanup right because i always and remembered it, her coming home and, and scaring us like man my house is not clean you guys are gonna get it so for us it was already embedded in our and, house where the house was clean she got there she made dinner and when she was done with dinner she'd get dressed get ready and go to her second job was 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 that instilled in her uh from her family I mean, in regards to I mean, how, how did she get that strength? I have zero clue where my mom, my mom's always been a tough rancher lady. She's just, my mom's a different bird. Even all my friends, they ask Carlos, Fernie, all those guys, Jesus, you know, they tell you my mom was just, my mom's different. She, she, she'll go up there and catch tarantulas. I remember one time she came from Fresno, had a tarantula in the jar. Uh, she's like, oh, don't touch it. It's got a, it's got a, a spider and I look at it and I said, Where, where'd you find this? Well, she was living out in Fresno. She took off to the, the, the foothills and found a tarantula out in Fresno. Not scared to grab crabs, you know, at the ocean. My mom was one of those, I'm gonna grab and she mom just she's just from the ranch and 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 don't care. I mean that and, and it made us tough, right? Because she was tough, it, it kind of instilled the hard work, the toughness and dedication and and, and all that and being friendly and 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 just a lot of the uh, a lot of the qualities that she has. It's what's helped me in my life in, in yeah. regards to helping people. And so I think that was probably the best of it, right? Yeah, and a little context, a little more context to the show. It's, I mean, it's, I'm, I came out of the womb with blue eyes, blonde hair, uh, you know, um, born in Monterey County, been in San Francisco County. I, I if in, if any, discrimination that I put on myself and and so you know um I can't imagine what you went through you know um so that 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 was you know must have taken an amazing amount of strength you know and but but there's a lot of those guys and and, and just so you guys don't know Castroville and and Ferndale they're in Monterey County um and we we ended up going kind of North, North Monterey County High School was a mix, but Monterey County actually is 75% uh, nine uh, non non white. Um, so it's it's I'm glad I, I speak fluent Spanish, but um, let me ask you about I mean there's a lot of kids that could tell your story that they had a bad dad they had a single mom and um what 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 empowered you to be more than that to 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 go from negativity to to now just so you know he he he's never played baseball but now he's like a baseball scout and he's even uh you know the uh, the dream story was took a kid in his house for four years got him a full ride scholarship to to uh, uh, Cal State Fullerton, Cal State Fullerton, and and drafted by the Oakland A's. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, and that was just one of America. And like I said, I, I, you know, I've been doing this for like I said, twelve years. I, I, you know, to touch into the baseball, my background in baseball was, you know, it was what I was working with the employer at the time, and he was real heavy into baseball. One day he's like, come out, hang out. I go out there and just start hanging out with some guys, you know, whatever. And my thing was always to help kids. I had, when there was a period of about two or three years that I didn't, I didn't do any type of community service uh, in regards to coaching. I was kind of focusing more on my own, my own life and all that at the time and my own kid. And um, when, when I got into baseball, I was working with an employer 
I started getting, you know, started getting really heavily involved when he invited me to come out to the baseball field. All right, I'll go out to the baseball field. You know, it was like the team mom for a while. I was in there in the dugout talking to kids. Like I said, I didn't know anything about baseball. It's just the game within the game of baseball, right? The, the thinking part, the, the strategies and all that fun stuff that go along with the game of baseball because there's so much. I mean, I, I didn't – every day I'm still learning. If I said I was a professional scout or I knew everything, I'd be lying um, because I, that's not what I am. I don't know – you know, 100% of the things, because there's still so much into the game of baseball. So you think you think it could have been another sport? or It, it, it could have been. Honestly, I'm one of those guys. You, I'm a plug-and-play guy. If I go anywhere, I'm always – I've always – people that have known me, and I've, you know, I've always been at the very bottom. Myself, my, my, my income, my – me as a person, everything I've ever done is because of me. It's not – you know, yeah, I thank my parents for what they did, but financially or any motivation that I got was kind of within me. It had to be me. Anybody who ever needs change, it's got to come within themselves. You can't expect somebody else to make a change or have people feel sorry for you. I never felt like a victim per se. I was, was I a victim of, of circumstances? Of course, but I don't let those play the victim. I, I know that in my heart that if you have a will, you have a way. And I always look at the glass as half full because I know that I'll feel that rest of that half. Can you, can you give a couple examples of those lows and, and what, what drags you out of them? What, what, what personally for, for me personally, you know, I think the most trouble I've ever really been in was, was like financial type situations, right. Where, you know, you're working for somebody and something doesn't work out financially. That's the type of issues that I've had, but I mean, it, it comes in the business and in, in, in the sales business. Cause I, like I said, I've been in transportation for 12 years and sometimes you have a hit, you have a claim or an issue that comes up in that business. And you're talking 20, 30, 40, $50,000, not just, thousand dollars here, thousand dollars there. So those are situations that you arise in that in that type of risk that you take in in transportation. It's very lucrative, but it's also very very risky if you do take chances. So I've been in situations where I've been down on the ground, just kind of thinking, how am I going to get out? Like, but then you start to think, right? There was times that I was going to the beach and I was reflecting, and you know, you start to think and you start to just all of a sudden you start. Like I said, it comes with growth and. And, and not having a father in the family and being able to see those type of qualities or what do you do to get out, right? So once I started to realize that everything that I did was because of me, whether I put myself in a situation, you start to think and you start to see like, man, this is, this is really what it's about. It's, it's a reflection of yourself. You can't point the finger at somebody. You got to point that finger right back at you. And so for me, it's always been about just going out there and going after it and, and all those thoughts and all those things that, you know, came to my mind at the time when I was struggling financially, you know, I'm down and out and I don't talk about it with nobody. I figure myself out. Like I I've been in those shoes before I've had, I grew up on welfare. I grew up on food stamps. I I've been at the bottom before. So for me, it was just sit back, go to the ocean almost every other day, take my drives, do my thing. And, and I start to reflect this, you know what? All the stuff that I'm going through right now had nothing to do. I'm, I'm sitting back laughing at this point. I'm like, man, I, here I am, a, a, you know, soft for not being able to get up out of a situation where we're talking a little bit of money. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, it was my mom thinking about her and what she did, right? The grind that waking up at five yeah. in the morning, cooking for herself breakfast, going to work and busting her butt off in 120 degree tunnels, picking raspberries, right? Sweating and, and super hot. The whole family's out there. And so those type of things that, that started to come back into my life and, you know, the, 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 the visions I used to get as a child of being at the field myself at the age of three, you know, I'm in a, I'm in an apple bin. Cause that was my, that was my babysitter at the time, right? My parents couldn't afford to have three kids babysat and still work in the apples at the time. Right. So like I said, apples, uh, um, raspberries, strawberries, plants, you know, when they, prep for the, the strawberry plants. And, and, and so my mom was a part of all that. So I started to reflect back and think like, man, what made my mom tough? Those were the things that made my mom tough. She never came home and said, oh, I, you know, she would come home and, and I'm tired, but never would she complain and say this, that, but her house was always clean. You know what I'm saying? So, so for she, me, it was she, just the she, tenacity. Is she the, the mentor in your life? I would say so, yeah. I learned a lot from my mom, man. Like I said, everything about her, the way she is as a person, her personality. I get along with everybody, brother. I mean, I, I don't have an enemy in the world. Like I said, I don't, for me, I, those days are past me. I, I've had that side too. And it's, 
it doesn't get you nowhere. All the fun stuff is, is behind you. And so let's say you, 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 and we are alive. I think I said that earlier, but um, you drive home today uh, and uh, your girlfriend breaks up with you. Something tragic happens to your kid. Um, uh, Saeed, something happens with him. Who would you call in those moments? That's a good question, man. Depends on who I have to call, right? I had a situation like that come up last year where it was tough. It was a tough situation for my family. Um, but, you know, we, we deal with it accordingly and, and try to keep the, 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 the family stuff within the family. We've always been like that. I always try to keep everything. And that, that's just my model, man. You just go in there, take care of things as a family. You take care of things behind the, 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 the scenes. You don't need to go out there and expose what you do or how you're doing, but you know, it's tough. And, and when you get into situations like that, it's, it depends on the situation, who to call, right? There, there have been situations in my family where they call me at times for advice. And what do we do here in this situation? Well, in this particular situation, one of my family members had gotten some really deep trouble and he left. And I said, no, we're going to turn this guy in. That's the right thing to do. You know, we're a family, we love him. And, but he's got to, he's got to, he's got to step up to the plate, bro. And then you know, it is what it is. And we have to continue to go. We have to continue to work as a family. Um, and, you know. Who is who's someone in your life that, if that same situation happened, would call you today? Who would be in that? Everybody in my family, man. I, I A lot of people come to me for everything. So you're the rock. I'm, I'm the rock of the family. Like I said, I, I don't show too much emotion. I don't show, I don't go out there talking what I hear. I don't go out there talking what I see. Because I see a lot. I hear a lot. But, you know, it's also at the same time, I know what my place is. And, and you, as, you know, you, you have that background, too, and, and, and studying psychology at Davis and stuff. Well, I did it at Fresno State. So for me, it was learning and listening and being, being that person. And yeah. like I said, for me, a lot of things won't break people. A lot of things won't break me. And, you know, like this whole COVID thing, a lot of people broke. But for somebody like myself, growing up the way I did in Cashville, small town, and, you know, all the troubles that come with the small town and just, you know, being surrounded by bigger towns that have more guys and it's it's just you know you you really have to watch what you do every step that you take you know can be the last one you wear a certain color where we are it's it can get you in trouble right so for for me it was about you know learning those things and yeah. teaching those things like Sahid, he was a perfect example i mean he comes to the house and he moves in first of all and he starts to see all this violence he's not used to this so so let's get into that the dream selling i mean um how how are you capable of at, at the time you were in yuma arizona right mm -hmm. what were you doing there so with with that whole story man it was what i do is i, I go on my scout right because of my personality i like to talk to people i like to get to know people a lot of people say well you how do you know that well i've been around you know i like i said i worked in the tortilleria restaurants uh, i've been exposed to monterey county the way they do things with the youth centers and uh, you know, working at Planned Parenthood for years. I got to work at Planned Parenthood. I sold insurance for a while. I was kind of mixed up for a long time. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, right? But I had gone through so many of those steps where I'm able to see data entry. I'm able to see how we, 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 we go about getting grants, right? I remember I went to go do a speech out in Carmel at the time. I was like seven, 18 years old, 19 years old. I go out there and I, and I do a presentation in front of a bunch of people in regards to the migration of the Oaxacan community in Mexico. Um, and so when I went out there to do that, we got a million dollar grant, like literally two days after boss calls me excited. Hey, you know, good job. So for me, it's always been about approaching people. I'm not scared to meet new people. That person might need something. Maybe that person works in the same business as us. How can we benefit each other? How can we work together? And so for me, it's all about network and regardless of who it is, man, it could be a custodian. I talk to everyone and, and I treat everybody is, with the respect. The network is a little bit of what you, what you want what you see is what you get yeah i mean um you know you, you can arguably say prundale and, and gastrill opposite sides of the mm -hmm. track mm -hmm. you know but i i felt comfortable talking to you and um and just because i knew you know you know when you see is what you get and, you, and you're you're open to talking to anybody mm -hmm. um so tell me about uh you're in yuma and then um, I want to talk about this one example, Saeed uh, Valenzuela. Valenzuela. Um, can, can you give me a kind of a more so, or less brief 
so basically that's what, what I was getting to is, is we, is that's part of what I was doing. Right. So since I have the personality, my job was to go out there and just kind of look for players. Right. By that time I was a little bit more armed. I had a little bit more information, what kind of guys to look for, what are, what are positions that were needed to be filled in, in that team that I was coaching with at the time um, needed. Right. So it was all about finding players that fit the mold of your team and kind of mold those guys and make them all one. Right. And unite them and, and become better. But uh, we had two guys down in Yuma. One of them, they were twins, two brothers, Adan and Alan. Uh, they were they were living in Yuma at the time, um, and they had we had needed an extra player, so we were going to play up in Vegas for for a tournament uh, in the fall sometime. And, and they were like, "Yeah, we got a kid. We'll bring him up." All right, so they bring him up, and I'm one of the coaches out there at the tournament that weekend. I got to coach the team, and then so we got to, got to watch this little dude play. And like I said, he was a nobody at the time. I'm not saying he is not a nobody now, and and all due respect, if he's listening, you know, but um, he was he was a kid, bro. He was 100, 110 pounds. So for me, it was like, like he's a little guy. We didn't we didn't see nothing. I didn't see him. You know. It, it was the way it was, the way it happened, man. Division one was not literally in my eyes because of the size of him. I thought, OK, we're going to go. We're going to do something, but it's probably going to be like a D2. But he's going to go to college. And that's the only promise that I gave his parents. When it was all said and done, that day that I took him from you, when I told him that education is going to be key, that's what I wanted. I don't care if it was going to be Cal State Monterey Bay or or Stanislaus. It was going to be a, a, a and baseball say, And just to be clear, when you used to take him, you had a conversation with his parents saying, uh, your kid's now going to be living with me. Yeah, so the, the way the whole thing went down, you know, we got down the line and we got to see the kid play, whatever. We went about our separate – there was no – communication after there was nothing. I mean, the kid played very well, did what he could do. But again, he's 14 years old. He's not six foot three, you know, 200 pounds. And just a dude, he wasn't like that. He had to work hard for where he's at. So for him, he was a little guy, he came over, uh, comes to the house. You know, he, I talked to his parents, like we were at the baseball game at that time down in Yuma and I was watching them play. The, the other kids that were playing on the, on the Yuma team. And uh, as they were down there doing their thing, the game finished, they walked up the stairs, uh, and I see the Alan and Alan, they come up and they shake my hand, say hello, and then uh, Saeed comes around the corner, same thing with him, he comes up, it's like a polite thing to do, right, you you pay respect by coming to somebody, shaking their hands, and those kids are all like that, uh, very well-trained baseball-wise, and very well-trained as a young gentleman as well, you know, with, with the parents that they had in their, in their homes, uh, but so Saeed came around the corner, he came up, said hello, and first word out of my mouth was scared. Right at the time, we used to use that word real loosely, like, you're scared, you're scared. We'd go to teams and be bigger guys and, you know, dudes that could tell, you could tell that could play a little bit. You know, here we are, these little small Mexican dudes that nobody knows about. We're just kind of doing our thing. So we started gaining that respect after time, after time. We started. How did Saeed over, overcome those fears? I mean, uh, like internally or, I mean, you know form of thought i mean i don't even know if he gave it even that much thought to be honest with you eric the, the way that whole thing worked and i told him i asked him that scared literally when as soon as he walked up i said you're scared and he said scared of what i said you're scared of go go and move with me into salinas right he's like no it was just the wildest thing i had what no i said yeah bro i said salinas is not 20 30 minutes you know Humor to Summerton, this is where he's at. And at the time, he's like, yeah, no, I'll go. I'm like, Salinas is 10 hours away, dude. Your mom's not going to be there. Daddy's not going to be there. Nobody's going to be there. It's just me and you. I hadn't even talked to my girlfriend at the time about this whole situation. It wasn't until he was in the car, and I'm literally in El Central, that I called her says, what? We adopted a kid. <laughs> and, and she just, you know, she was... She was kind of, you know, with the whole, uh, the whole situation, she was just kind of like, what are you doing? Do you even know how to, you don't even know how to take care of yourself. And, and she was right. A hundred percent, you know, right before I got with her, there was a lot of situations I hate that happened personally and, you know, going to the bars and then having fun and, you know, all that dumb stuff. You know, I just, like I said, when I met Saeed, fell on my lap with that kid. Now I had a responsibility. Now I had to be a father, right? A father I didn't know how to be. <laughs> so she was, you she was right. Saeed somewhat wire, wired in a way that he, he doesn't feel fear? I know he isn't. I know he doesn't feel fear, especially when you go out there. What my job was as a father, right? Because now I'm a father at 
adopting this 14-year-old kid and uprooting him from Yuma that same weekend I was there for baseball. There was no conversations before. Yeah. Like I said, we had went off from the Vegas tournament and we never spoke again. It wasn't until, until I seen him that day, he comes up and he says, yeah, and I just, I started thinking, man, I used to, when my pops used to be in our lives, he used to say, oh, well, I'll meet you at 10 o'clock at your house, we'll pick you up. All right, we'll be out there waiting around with our brand new shoes, brand new clothes ready for our dad, right? So I never wanted to be that guy that said, make a promise I can keep. So when I said that, I said, I'm going to take this kid off. So, so that's exactly what happened, bro. I mean, the thing, the situation was just, it was, it's weird just talking about it because it's the way it happened. It wasn't supposed to be this way. It just happened to be that as he got older, he started to put more weight on. He started to develop. I mean, he was a good baseball player, but just super small. So what do you think Saeed saw in you? to take that risk i think what from talking to him now i think what he he was saying is is yuma's a small farm working community out in the middle of nowhere it's literally in the southwest most part of arizona but it's also the most southeast part of california it's out in the middle of nowhere there's nothing for for miles you know phoenix is three hours three and a half hours away so a lot of scouts don't go to yuma they don't go looking for a piece of gold it's not like oh there's a bunch of baseball players it's got to be worthwhile. A lot of these scouts, you know, they think they should come to me, which is in Phoenix, Sacramento, Los Angeles. There's a bunch of different baseball hubs where scouts can go and you either come, you want to be seen or not. There's a lot of good scouts that go out there and look for dudes like that. Were there, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but were there times where Saeed in those four years doubted his decision uh, to... I don't think there was any doubt in his decision, to be honest with you, because he would see the amount of work I put in. He lived with me. So I was constantly on the phone talking to coaches. I was talking to coaches early on. Uh, San Jose State was a perfect example. I, like I said, for me, the whole thing was about education. I didn't care where the education was going to be. As long as he was happy, his parents were happy, and he got to play baseball. Like I said, it didn't matter if it was D1, D2, D3. NAIA, as long as he's playing baseball, that's what, like I said, that's what my promise was. For me, I think it's very important to get kids into education and invest it in, into their educations, right? Because that's that's how you make the money financially, right? I've already been there and I've lived my life. I want to make my kids' jobs easier, right? I want to make their job easier and give them the, the same information that I got throughout my life. And I want to give it to them at the age of 17, 16. So they start making those changes when they're young. They listen to somebody like me, they're able to make it. So for Saheed, I think what happened was nobody was coming to Yuma to look for him. Nobody was going over there for anybody. He's he's 110 pounds. Nobody's coming for him. Now, so he's, he's drafted by the Oakland A's, by the way. Yeah, so he, you know, at that time, he didn't have any regrets. I think there was an injury that kind of slowed him down a little bit. His parents wanted to move him back. And I was like, no, no, this is going to ruin it. Like, I'm going to take care of this guy. Like, please just be, you know. And we did. We eventually got mom to be okay. Because, you know, mom was worried. He's crying the whole time. She, he was there. You know, poor mom. We separated him, bro, at an early age, 14 years old. You know, every day, pops would tell him, hey, you know, he's going to college early, basically. That's what he's doing. He's at the age of 14. He's moved out, living with me, some random guy. I mean, even when I was answering questions, it was like, like it was, I felt like Nick Saban of baseball answering a bunch of questions for the press conference. But I didn't know. Like I said, everything was just so fast. He couldn't say no because his older brother was a good baseball player, but never had that opportunity to go out anywhere. A yeah. was his grades and a B, like I said, Yuma. So he told him at a young age, Saheed, if you ever give a, get a chance to leave this place, you leave. So when I came to town and I asked him, he was already wired to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going. So I was like, what made you decide that? Like, how did you know that, you know, you, you could trust me in what I'm saying and what I'm talking about? He's oh well, I, my brother always told me if I have the opportunity, I'm leaving. So when I you came to me with the opportunity, I decided to take it because I knew your connections. I knew you talked to coaches. I knew you got you took care of kids. And I was like, how did you know? Like, I don't go out there publicizing. I don't go out there, you know. I sit back, I watch baseball games, I watch parents, I do what I got to do on my end to be able to promote some of these kids, right? Because I got to speak to them, I got to put my name behind them. So Saheed was nothing different. He was my son. So I had to push that name a little harder, right? Because now it's, you know, it's it's about, he's kind of like my kid. You know, what coach wants to hear, he's your kid. But once they hear Saheed moved up here well, from this and, and became a little bit more apparent. What's interesting is you got a kid like Saeed to 
be drafted by the Oakland, uh, Oakland Athletics and you don't really have a baseball history at all. Yeah, yeah, and, no, you're absolutely and, right. And so what what unique characteristic or talent do you think you have that allowed you to be in the mix? Well, I have a, I have a gift of gab, man. I could outside, like I said before, outside to an Eskimo and it's always been in my blood to sell, to talk to people, to, to do that. Cause like I said, just a long list of, I had to talk and do presentations about sexual reproduction and talk to young, you know, I had groups of teen girls in, in groups that I've had. Not a lot of people know that, but I have a group of, of young ladies that I'm having to mentor. You know what I mean? And so that you have to talk about those kind of things and be comfortable. So for me, I was, I've always been comfortable going into juvenile hall talking to groups of guys, girls, kids at a young age has made me this way already. So for me, it was just doing that. And I think one thing about me and the whole thing of baseball was I didn't know the game, but it didn't keep me from learning the game. And what I did is I sat back, I opened my eyes, I closed my mouth and I watched and I listened and I would take everything in and started to piece things together. That's how I really begun to understand that I was more of a logistics guy and thinking and always putting pieces to the puzzle in the right place. And wow. that's kind of where this whole baseball thing, that's all it is. It's figuring out, you know, for instance, Saheed, you, you look at their background. That's one thing I'll do is I'll ask parents' backgrounds, the type of jobs, what they do, single parent homes. Are they divorced? Are they a new boyfriend, new husband? All those type of questions matter because it makes my job easier and it makes the scouts' jobs easier, right? I'm not going to waste the time with Stanford, you know, 4.0 students or whatnot and give them a 3.0 Mexican kid that, you know, it it just doesn't work out that way. So there's a lot of little variants, a lot of factors that play in. And me at the same time, don't want to put a kid in a situation to fail or to have to pay a bunch of the school loans back, right? So I know you hear about people right now, oh, debt forgiveness and give us money back. And, you know, yeah, we can pay those debts off. But at the same time, so he took some of those loans out for school. But I also knew as his advisor that I wasn't going to send them to, you know, St. Mary's, for instance, St. Mary's made a full ride offer for the education part. But how about the, the living expenses? How about the food? Yeah. So those are all type of things that you want to take into consideration. It's easy for everybody. Oh, you got a full ride. There's a lot of little details that go along with it. So, so I mean, you, you've been successful in a lot of ways. How much, and, and a lot of it seems circumstantial in the, in the beginning of your life. How much do you um, attribute wiring versus nurture nurture versus nature i i you know what you have to be able to i believe you got to break people down and i've been i've been very good at what i do in regards to breaking an individual down and rebuilding them right because sometimes we get kids that you know that that are coddled at home right and then you get kids that are just super tough well you got to deal with the kids that are a little super tough a little different than you would with the kid that's a little bit more less less mature less less uh less uh lived less life right than other people because there's a lot of people that grow up different so you got to be able to break down this kid and make you know some kids you got to bring down to earth so yeah it seems seems like you take the the nurture approach Mm -hmm. um and i'll be honest i you know i started out in psychology dealing with schizophrenics and, you know, really heavy duty mental disorders. And, and what frustrated me, what turned me to the business world was the recidivism rate. It basically was a holding house. They get out of an institution and they'd be at the, actually called the farmhouse and they'd have to take care of farm animals. And then they'd go get to work in a uh, communal um, area in davis california um and work at ace hardware two times a week and you know what and then a year a year later they'd be in the institution and it just round and round and round um and so i i really respect that i mean that's you know that's that's an argument for 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 nurture you know well just it also depends on the individual like i said earlier i had before Saheed, there was another kid that I had helped. This one was a major league baseball. Uh, this one was a little different because I knew the game, but I also didn't know as much at the time. But I knew that 93 from the left-hand side was a guy to kind of keep an eye out for. I mean, if you take that piece of clay, somebody that's willing to listen and willing coachable. to learn, and he's coachable and he's tough and he's got the body for it, 
somebody could afford to take a chance on a guy like that. So this situation was with the kid at heart. Now he had zero clue who I was. I go to school. I start to talk to him. He's looking, who's in, who the hell is this bald Mexican coming to me at the time? Like, you know, I'm 24 years old or whatever it was at the time. And, and he was just like, at first he was scared. He's like, you know, tattooed Mexican coming towards me. Who, who is this guy? And, and that guy doesn't say very much of anything. I, I mean, his name is Michelangelo. And the dude doesn't really say much because he had a tough upbringing, right? He's been at the very bottom. And I, I, I know stories about that kid that nobody else does, but because I get into it with him, I listen to him. And he was one of those guys that's super quiet. I got like two words to the first tournament we took him to in, uh, in Reno. Two words in a five-hour drive. Okay. Michelangelo, are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Can we get something for you at the gas station? I'm with my whole family, top it off. Yes. Thank you. That's <laughs> it. That was it. So it was tough to break that kid. But like I said, once I continued to dig in, I got in and him, I nurtured him for a little because he needed to. He needed that little, that little push. But I that guy will tell you, you know, years later after he tries out for the Mariners, he eventually gets drafted. All the life is great, but you know, you kind of think back that life is easy, but no, you got to work that much harder. You're nobody yeah. right now. So I sent him down because he was still lacking a lot of, a lot of interpersonal uh, situations. And, you know, for him in his life, it was, it's always been a little easier because they've kind of always given it to him. So the way I see it was like, you know what, this guy doesn't know how to do this. Doesn't know how to... You're a 22 year old grown ass man. I'm going to send you to Yuma. I put him up. I found a house. I got them to give him a, get him a job, right? Eventually started working, started making money, bought a car. He became self-sufficient. He knew where to find the answers he needed to because closed mouths don't get fed. And that's what I would tell him. I said, Michelangelo, I'm going to send you here. You're going to have a place to live. You'll have a job. The rest is up to you. I need to know how to become a dual citizen. I said, you're right across the street from the border. Go out there and find yourself. I'm not there. I, what do you want me to do? walk you baby through this yeah so it was just for him it was just that was just you you gotta learn and, and yeah. now look at him great father son's little played baseball in mexico life is great he's playing out there and he continues to follow the dream man and, and like i said it's just all about knowing an individual i think like i said in in, in what, what i think is in, in education we don't see that anymore we don't see people being taught as individuals because everybody has a different learning ability right everybody's yeah. you know you got the, the the people that are visual you got the people that are just auditory and yeah it's not standardized it, it's not and, and uh, in our school system has gotten you know it's it's mass producing kids and it's tough so some of those guys get left back and they don't know what to do they don't know how to watch polls and i see it all the time eric and it's so um two concluding questions not because this conversation is boring or anything uh -huh. but I've, I've measured on my first season. People usually cut off at about 25, 30 minutes. So they, they, they don't want to, they, they're not going to listen yeah, for yeah. an hour. But one uh, is if there's, if there's a potential Alex Rivera out there that could, could do the same for what you've done to these kids um, that you could, you could say right now uh, to take that step, what would it be? Just do it. And sometimes, you know, a lot of people, what I see in this business and any business that you I've ever been in volunteering, a lot of people are scared to step up because they don't know how, right? That's half the battle. People are scared. Like me, if it wasn't for that guy telling me to come out to the baseball field, and like I said, been away from not coaching or anything for a while, was kind of like, I need to get back and give start giving back to my community. I pulled away from nonprofit to make money, to kind of focus on myself and my family, and then... After that, once I got settled, I said, I want to start helping kids again. So I got into coaching again and been coaching ever since. But I guess if, if you're if you're scared, take the plunge. It's nothing in life is going to be perfect. At, there was a time where I knew nothing. Like I said, I didn't know baseball, not to the level and extent to what we need to be to get kids on the college. And, um, and like I said, it just wasn't Michelangelo Guzman at, at, with Seattle Mariners. It wasn't just Saheed Valenzuela, but with him, it was because he lived with me. We went up there. Like I said, we, we went up there. He moved up here. I taught him about the little things that he needed to know about how to survive up here in Salinas, right? He being can't a, wear being a, a better a young Latino. And a, and a better people. Yeah, better. just a better person in general and being, you know, how to not get sucked into some of those things out here. Of course, he went to a private school, but he grew up in Castro. There was times where he had to walk and take the bus. And, and so you can't, if you're in Santa Cruz, you don't want to be wearing a certain color. So for me as a father, 
right? I got to make sure that he doesn't go home in a body bag, right? So we're watching the news one day. He sees a 14, 15-year-old kid get murdered and, and looks at me. And I'm just still watching TV. And I thought somebody was looking at me. I looked over and I said, what's wrong? He's all, that 15-year-old just got murdered. I said, you're going to get used to this. You're going to hear it a lot more. And that's sad to say that at the time when you have to tell and explain to a kid that that's kind of normal out here. And Castro has the population of what? We're talking about we'll Salinas, just oh, the surrounding areas. Oh, yeah, just all the yeah. violence in general, you know? And, and it's like, you have to make him aware of that. And you have to make him aware that he can't wear a certain color when he goes to Santa Cruz, can't wear a certain color when he goes to Salinas or Castro. It, it, for us, it's it's different things. Like with this whole Corona thing, you, everybody's got to remember to use the sanitizer, right? But well, for us, for people that grew up in, in that area where you have to watch those little details, hand sanitizer is nothing. Washing our hands, is it's already embedded in us. It's a lot easier for us to not forget because those steps, when we go places, are the ones that are going to kind of keep us afloat, yeah. you know? So um, it, it's it's definitely been a ride. I love it. Sahid was drafted by the A's. He's out of the house doing his thing and, and continuing to grind, and we're continuing to be thankful because, like I tell him, this, this life you're living is a bonus. He had gotten injured um, right before uh, the draft, literally a month and a half before the draft. He had to have Tommy John surgery. So there was chances where he was – he would call him, you know, I was his mentor, and, you know, what's going to happen and questions, you know, hey, Saeed, everything that you're doing, just continue to do, everything's going to be okay. The man above got you. He's always had your back. I said, this injury might be a blessing in disguise. This is what it's going to be. And a man, he came back stronger than ever. He's 185 pounds, stronger. His arm's working. They gave him Tommy John. I mean, he had the whole offseason to work out. I mean, the guys come back. He's 185 from 110. Damn. He's 185 and he, he he's a guy. He's you know, he's a switch hitter. He, he's been the Cal State, you know, he's been the, uh, the World Series. He was the player of the year. Uh, he was an All-American his freshman year, batted over 320 or 350 during the season, whatever it was, and, you know, took the whole country by storm. It was just a story that just, like I said, I've never told it to anybody on a podcast, right? I've told a couple of people that know. Uh, the newspaper called him when he made Omaha. They knew that he was from Yuma, and they did the whole story on there. But other than that, we've never really... We laugh about it now, right? Because the whole situation and look at him now, but definitely been a it's definitely been a grind. And, and with that experience that I gained from him and being able to use him as a as a as a bait to other coaches, yeah. I was able to gather more coaches in my network. And then once he was ready to commit, we committed him. Yeah. But I mean, there was a lot of schools after, like I said, San Jose State was ah, we need to see more, which was kind of a slip up with them because they were in the backyard, they had went to the school to visit and they wanted to see more. So what do you want to see? This guy's going to be a guy. And I'm telling you that right now, just because I know a, a kid's going to be a kid, a guy, or he's, he'll be okay. Yeah, he'll get yeah. a good college. But there's guys that I talked to coaches like this guy's going to be a guy. I had another kid from uh, Newark Memorial high school. His name's Edgar Gonzalez went to Fresno state. Didn't even have an opportunity. He had a walk-on position by a coach named uh, Steve Rousey was there at the time. He took him under his wing and said, I'll take that kid. Cal State, uh, Bakersfield made an offer. Long Beach was going to drop an offer. And then this guy right here was just kind of like, I'll, I'll go to Fresno State. It's close to home, my parents, et cetera. And it worked out for him and his family. He ended up getting drafted from no offers, even when he was a senior in high school, zero offers. Goes into the summer, was going to go to a junior college, gets an offer from Fresno State, takes it. He gets drafted in the sixth round. In the sixth round, he got paid good money for that because he was a guy wow. like i said mentally a lot of these guys that i deal with are grinders and, and i can pick those guys apart yeah it seems like you get you're a good uh, judge of character yeah and read people which is flattering to me because you gave me so much of your time <laughs> but uh one final question yep. you know 10 years from now alex rivera what 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 do you see what, what, what would be a big dream 10 years from now obviously um there's what? a lot of things that Castro needs to, you know, that we're continuing to work on in Castro one day. Eventually, I want to I want to be able to be a homeowner. I've been talking to the, you know, the people I, I read from and I want to buy the complex where I live because that's where I grew up. To me, it's more of a sentimental value. Like, oh, that's Alex's house. That's where Saeed was at. That's where for me, it's a little different. Right. So, you know, in 10 years. My kids doing great. We're doing great financially. I'm out there coaching, still helping kids out. Um, but right now, like I said, my job is, is, is to be, you know, my, my paying job. And that's, 
hobby, my hobby is baseball. You know, my job allows me, my profession allows me to go out and, and, and do this and coach and they don't have to, but they know my passion for it. Right. They know yeah. that I love giving back. They know I love giving back to my community um, and they respect it. So that's why I took the job to begin with, because I knew the amount of respect they had for me coaching uh, because I was one of the questions that came up like, Hey, you guys beat Salinas high. Like, yeah, how'd you know that? You know? So they were doing their research and, yeah. and it was, it was good that they did because they, they, they got somebody that likes to build. And I, I do, I love to build. Well, hey, quick, quick shout life. out to my, my buddy and you know, Will Pinnacook, he's been doing uh, real estate forever. And he sold probably half, half my friends in high school, their places. So he, he can hook you up. Uh, okay. Well, I know Will's watching too. So he, uh, how about Alex? Hey, man, I just want to say thanks for the time, dude. Uh, more than a podcast, it's been a pleasure talking to you on the phone. Yeah, no, it's, it's, to know you, man. it's been fun talking to you and just getting to know a little bit more. And thank you for putting me on here and, and being able to tell my story. And there's a lot of parts, man, that were that are still missing. But if we had another hour, we could probably go into it. But you know, uh, hey. Well, we'll ask, we'll ask on the page, man. Yeah, like ask, if, ask questions on the they, page. If they want a part two or if they would just want certain questions asked. Um, that, we'll I have mean, to do a question answer period or what? Yeah, dude, you have to come back up. <laughs> Alex drove up here from Castroville. I live in San Francisco to be on this podcast. So a lot of respect to him, two, hour, two and a half hour drive, something like that. So um, uh, Menace, thanks. For, for your time and effort, man. And yeah, no, I, 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 I got a lot of value out of it. So um, keep going, man. Keep keep strong and, and you're changing a lot of lives. And that's why I wanted you to be on this podcast because, I mean, you're changing more lives probably than, you know, the the, the big names I, I get on this podcast and they don't have a medium, you know, to, to speak about it. So um, I hope you got some value out of it. Too. No, yeah, awesome. I appreciate the drive. It was nice. It's a beautiful place out here, San Francisco, man. I got to go to the, Golden Gate Bridge and kind of take pictures out there. Oh, it is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's why I came a little early, man. I, I love to drive. So for me, it's all oh, yeah, yeah. it's peaceful. Even when I go home, you know, and after this great podcast. And like I said, Eric, I can't thank you enough. Anybody who's listening out there, appreciate you guys for, for tuning in. And if you're going to watch it after, appreciate that as well. Um, yeah, there's more questions, more answers. Of course, everybody has them. Yeah, all the episodes are on salesintersection.com. Um, of course, you can find me on on my facebook page linkedin whatever but salesintersection.com is where all the uh the episodes will be and it'll be up momentarily so um thank you for watching and big uh a big guest for episode two jill conrath um so that's that's coming around the bend but uh kind of enjoyed this more man so Appreciate you, dude. Yeah, man. Castro Prunda coming Cash together. Prunda, yeah, that's the goal, man. That's the goal. That's the goal. Is is to continue to educate our people in the North County area to make North County much better, right? The high yeah. school and yeah, have that camaraderie early and and it's it's been a lot of fun, man. And like I said, we can't thank enough for the people that are listening at home, the yeah, amount man. of support that they've been giving us, man. So I thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, much love. All right, guys. All right, guys. See you guys. See you guys later.